We also tonight, the, uh, the second privilege, and, and, and it is an honor to have Apostle Dale Armstrong is going to bring us the word tonight. And um, after the first of the year, because it's a new year and a new beginning of sorts, I asked Pastor Dale if he would, if he would bring the word to us early in January sometime here. Because not just to preach a message, but to actually do something that is specific to us. Because in 2006 is when this church here in Lancaster was planted. right? So we're now coming up on 16 years old as a body. And this church was planted here because the Lord asked at that time, um, you had just come back from Moscow, Russia, right? And um, the Lord asked him to plant the church here. And so, so in obedience to that, he did that. So he is our, our, he holds apostolic anointing in this house. And I thought it would be proper and fitting that we would tap into that anointing from the Lord and have him minister to us early in this year. And um, because he's a, he's a big part of the reason of why you and I are here together tonight. And so we just honor you. And would you come, please? <clears throat> Thank you for being obedient to the Lord and coming when uh, and, and yeah. starting a church. Amen. So many lives have been touched. You through the years, you've you've seen, you've heard the testimonies, and they just keep stacking up. We're just getting started. That's right. That's right. All right, put your hands to the Lord and let's pray. Father, I thank you that you just give, open up our eyes and ears to see and to hear properly and clearly tonight and give Apostle Dale the words to speak. We thank you, Father, for being here with us and having your way in Jesus' name. Well, good evening, everyone. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Let's open our Bibles to Revelations chapter 4. I want to, in obedience to what was on Pastor Sid's heart, which the Lord had already spoken to me about actually, I love that part of the ministry. How many of you know Jesus is the head of the church? And we, we, when we're in step with him and we're following the spirit, uh, it's amazing how we can get along and, and see his will fulfilled. And we can become proficient at it. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you can make your, yourself a student of the spirit and become better at being led by the spirit. I want to encourage you to do so. I remember hearing years ago, Brother Hagen talked about when he was pastoring and the church was, was smaller at the time. He said he had a prayer group, uh, mostly of, of elderly folks. And he said, let's, let's just pray, but then let's just practice. And they, they would lay on their face before the Lord and practice moving supernaturally. And he, I remember he told one testimony of someone, their, their truck had been stolen. Somebody in the church. So he took it to the prayer group. Let's just practice. And, and, and the Lord gave one of them a vision of where the truck was. And they were able to recover the stolen property. You see, unless you're just willing to say, you know, this stuff works, let's work it. Amen. 
well, then we will not see some of the greater things that God wants to bring forth. I'm telling you that it really doesn't matter how hard the times get because the church is always greater. Amen. And if, and if, as Isaiah says, gross darkness will come upon the people, isn't it good to know that we're the ones who are going to arise and shine because the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Amen. So don't let your hearts be troubled with fear. Jesus said that the closer we get to the end times, that more and more that seems to, to be the tendency or the symptoms. Men's hearts actually fail them for fear of what is coming upon the earth. But we don't, we don't need to include ourselves in that because we know, we've read the back of the book, we know who wins. Amen? So let me give you a little, here in Revelations 4, I just want to give you a few pointers as you consider the future. And, and I'm, I'm not going to focus on one aspect that I thought I was going to drill into, uh, but I do want to keep the same title and, uh, because the Lord gave it to me. Usually I, I don't have titles, uh, and, and, but when the Lord gives me a title, I feel there's something important. There's a hook there. So the title he gave me for this message is Don't Fear the Future. Don't Fear the Future. Well, I want to give you here a few pointers. Let's read in Revelations chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. You see, there's certain things that will happen, but there's certain things that must be. Let's not be worried about what happens, but let's be focused on what must happen, the things which must be. Then verse 2, and immediately I was in the Spirit. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, I don't want to uh, be too spiritualizing here of this prophetic scripture, but I want to just pull a few pointers out that I think helps us examine our lives as we move into the future to perform the will of God. First of all, as we, as we see here, the first statement was, come up hither. You know, if we're looking into the future, at what must come to pass one of the greatest things to remember is that we're above and we're not beneath. Come up hither. Even when we're, we're doing the mundane things of life, like Jesus said to, to his disciples, lift up your eyes. The, 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 the harvest, it is, the fields are white unto harvest. But see, they didn't see the harvest. They didn't see what he saw. And, and there in John chapter 4, he said, you have to lift up your eyes. See, we're above and we're not beneath. We have to set our minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. This is a change of perspective, yes. This is looking at the things which are not seen, 
Well, these are looking at the eternal things, not at the things which can be seen. How many of you know, if you're going to look at the things which can be seen, you're going to be distracted, you're going to be drugged down. But if you look at the things which cannot be seen, hallelujah, it'll work for you a far greater glory in your life. Amen. So the first thing as we're looking into the future is let's make sure we have the right perspective. There's victory in this house. Amen. You know, the world's been through some tough times. Amen. We don't have to be afraid. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm only going to fear a little bit of the time. No, I'll fear no evil. No evil. Amen. I'm not going to be afraid. Don't fear the future. Now, there's plenty of opportunity to fear, but you're just not going to do it. And the first step is to get above it. Make sure your perspective is a biblical perspective. Amen. We are above and we're not beneath. The second thing is in verse 2, he said, immediately I was in the spirit. I don't know about you, but it seems to me there's no better place to be than in the spirit. And I'm sure that as we face difficult times in the world, we need to stay in the spirit. Amen. We need to remember that in the spirit, we'll hear from the Lord and we'll, we'll hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way. Turn to the right, turn to the left. You'll, you'll be able to walk in the ways of the Lord as you tune your spirit into his spirit. Amen. So your perspective and then friends stay in the spirit. Again, I remember one thing Brother Hagin taught a long, long time ago. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. Don't let the devil bring you into his arena to fight you in his arena. Because if you fight the devil in his arena, he'll win every time. But stay in the spirit. And if you stay in the spirit, you'll avoid so many troubles in life. There'll be so many battles you won't even have to fight. You know, if you stay in the spirit, you can walk across the minefield of life and not step on that mine. Hallelujah. And he'll thread the needle because there is, there's nobody that can thread the needle like the Holy Ghost. Amen. So he said, first of all, come up and, and that's have a broad and biblical perspective from above and not beneath, have a perspective of victory and not defeat. And number two, stay in the spirit. Now, now we stay in the spirit by faith. We, we, I don't know if we'll have time to get into that. Don't, don't get confused that moving in the spirit is the result of a year's pursuit or a, or a lifetime of pursuit. No, you, you walk in the spirit because that's where you belong. Fish swim in water and you walk in the spirit. Uh, birds fly in the air and you walk in the spirit. See, see, once you're born again, walking in the spirit is your environment. It's where God has created you to perform. It's where it's your it's your life in touch with him. Amen. So we stay in step with the Holy Ghost. Then we see the third thing as we're going to look into the future is there is a throne, friends. 
Behold, there was a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And we've said it so often that it becomes a cliche. You need to stir yourself up and remember it, though. Jesus is still on the throne. It doesn't matter what the economy's doing. It doesn't matter who's president here or there. It doesn't matter if, if war is there or war is here. It doesn't matter what the inflation index tells you. It doesn't matter what the naysayers say. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's still on the throne. And if you have that victory perspective, and you're above and not beneath, and if you walk in the Spirit, and you recognize the Lordship of Jesus, that he's on the throne, and that throne isn't being shaken at all, it doesn't matter what's coming on the earth. Amen. Go with me now to Hebrews chapter 13. Satan doesn't have a lot of tools. He really doesn't. And, uh, and we can learn the, the enemy's devices. Paul said, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. He has some basic strategies. And, and sometimes he'll tune one up a little more than another. But that's all right. It's good that we recognize them. And fear is one of Satan's strategies. Sometimes I've found in my own life... In the last seven years, I found out I wasn't as equipped to deal with fear as I thought I was. Because I had only dealt with fear uh, on a spiritual plane. And sometimes, you know, when people are confronted with fear, and, and the Bible says fear is a spirit, and you need to resist fear, you need to tell it in the name of Jesus to go, and many times when you're dealing with fear, uh, it, it's a mental game. Many times it's unsubstantiated. It's actually irrational. Many times, you know, people have wrestled with fear and they've stayed up all night long. And, and then, then the morning comes and the sun rises and they realize that thing that they were afraid of or facing, that fear they were facing, it was just a vapor. There was never any real substance in it. But then there's other realms where you step out and, and you face fear. And, and, the, and one of them is when God calls on you to step into the miraculous. When Jesus called Peter, Peter, Peter said, Lord, if that's you walking on the water, bid me come. And Jesus called for him to come. And Peter came down out of the boat and was walking on the water. But then he saw the wind being boisterous in the waves. And fear came. When God requires you to do something greater than you've ever done before, Satan's, in many cases, his only strategy is to interject fear. Amen? And so now Peter has to face fear. Uh, and, and yet I was, I was meditating on this, really laughing about it. Peter was a fisherman. I don't think this was the first time he got wet. I mean, really, what was he afraid of? You know, you say, well, there was all these waves. He might have drowned. He was a fisherman. He wasn't that far away from the boat. You know, I, I, I don't know if he was... I, uh, afraid of drowning or not. There was some element of fear there. But at, at, at what level was that fear anything at all to be compared with the fear David faced 
as a teenage boy running across the field with five smooth stones at a guy who's 10 foot tall with a spear like a weaver's beam and a sword. Now that's fear. See, we've dealt with spiritual realms of fear and and irrational realms of fear and, and, and stepping out. Yeah, well, what will people think of me fear? Or I might lose this kind of fear. Or, or, or it, what if it doesn't happen kind of fear? But, but what about tangible fear? What David faced when he faced Goliath was, was real. That man could easily have removed his head. It could have been the end of him, right? But he didn't fear. He didn't fear. See, and, and I've recognized that. And so what, what the Lord dealt with me at one point was to, to build, rebuild my confession. Look here in Hebrews 13, in verse 5, it says, in the, in the middle of this verse, it says, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? Well, he drew that, Paul did, he drew that right from Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, or verse 5, actually. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, why did God say that in Joshua 1, 5? And how is what he said to Joshua applicable to us? Well, Paul explains that in verse 6. He said that so that we may weakly say, no, boldly say. See, even, even if the emphasis on this word boldly, it's not just a confession just to be made, but to be boldly spoken. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, and now he pulls a scripture out of the book of Psalms. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, there's different realms of fear. There's irrational fears. There's spiritual fears. There's, there's a fear of loss. There's, there's all these, this whole realm of fear. And then we might even grant Peter you know, a, a little bit, a, there's a fear of getting wet. These are real problems people face. But then there's the kind of fear that David faced. It was tangible. Some people have opened up the envelope and, and sat with the doctor and they've heard a verdict. It's real fear. It's tangible. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do unto me. The Lord is my, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Friends, I'm just going to be very, very honest. It doesn't matter how long ago you heard about the confession of your faith. You need to stir yourself up in these days that we live in. When you, when you sit in a, 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 and face real tangible fear, And I don't know, and in the natural, you know, I've talked to people, it's funny, about a couple of years ago, I was taking a walk with my wife and one of her friends, and 
she started asking me some questions, my wife's friend. She started asking me these questions, so I just started talking uh, like I'd talk to my wife because we walk in the in step with the Holy Ghost and with faith. And and we, we, we got, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes down the, the path, and I realized, oh, no. I've just been telling, the, speaking the truth, this woman's terrified. <laughs> I mean, she's trembling. She's so, here, here I am talking about the truth, but I couldn't talk to her. Why? She, she couldn't handle that and then and and so then i had to i had to deal with the issue that 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 some of the things it's just better you not know about them amen see that's the power of of praying in the holy ghost you don't need to know all the problems that's the power of faith you don't need to see what's going on in the natural you can put your faith in what God says and, and look at things that are eternal. And the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men will do to me. I had a situation not that long ago where I had a conversation in D.C. with a, with a gentleman. I was with him almost six hours. And uh, he, he came apart. I mean, literally came apart. And uh, he, he, he has a, a security clearance. He, 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 he works at an, in, a, in a higher level. And he just came apart. And he started sharing stuff with me. And I, and I spent that five, six hours with him. And then I'm in the car driving home. And I thought, Lord, I'm just like that lady on the, on the trail. I, I wished I hadn't heard that. I mean... The car's going faster and slower because I can't stop my right leg from trembling. Because I was so afraid. So much fear. And I think, Lord, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, it's so terrible. Though we're coming to the end of the world. What happens if this happens? Oh, if what he says is, what about that? Oh, and before you know it, Boy, you're in, you got this whirlwind going on. And am I the only one here that's, that's dealt with some of this? I know I'm not. Why? Because we all have flesh. You, you, you can't afford to get into the flesh. You better stay in the spirit. So, so what did you do, Pastor Dale? I went to this verse right here. The Lord's my helper. The Lord's my helper. I will not fear what man will do unto me. You know, he, he's brought people through worse. Amen. Somebody said, well, I think it's the end times, Brother Dale. I think it's the end times. Yeah, read Acts chapter 2. Peter said it was the end times. It's been the end times for a long time. Now, I suppose we're closer to the end of the end times, but we've been in the last days for a long time. Amen. I, I, I know that... Uh, I've had different times where your perspective, see, you got to come up. Because if you lose that victory perspective, you'll get drug underneath the wheels of that fear and you won't be able to see anything. You can't, you can't see things straight. You can't make right decisions. Amen. I, it's like the first church I pastored, one of the elders, his name was Al Wyant. He took me one day. I think he saw I was struggling. And he took me one day and we went to the nursing home. And we would go in and minister to people and, and, and we would pray for the people. And then we came, would come back out 
and Al would talk to me about my perspective and how good life is. And isn't it wonderful to have two legs that you can walk on? Isn't it wonderful? We, we got a home to go back to. Is it, you know, we pray for those people that are in that, that nursing home, but oh, look how much the Lord has given to, to us. And he would tweak my perspective. Have, have you ever had your perspective changed because you realize it, you, you got it pretty good? Tell your, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you got it pretty good. Yeah. Wives, turn to your husbands and tell them, you got it really good. Yeah. Husbands, turn to your wife and say, he that finds a good wife finds a good thing. Right? But your perspective, you got to come up. How do you get that perspective up? How do you stay in the spirit? How do you recognize Jesus is the one on the throne? With the confession of faith of your mouth. Now let's take that and look over here in James chapter 1. So I say, but yeah, but Brother Dale, what if it gets worse? Well, if it gets worse, then it'll only get better. Because we serve a miracle-working God. I mean, the Lord had me go and study the Civil War. Somebody say, oh, America, we're failing. It's, is, it, is it the end of America? We haven't even got close. It was so much worse during the Civil War. I, I had, the Lord had me study the Civil War just to change my perspective. Oh, my goodness, we haven't got that. Oh, but Brother Dale, they're, 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 uh, they, don't, they don't let people say anything on Facebook. They don't let people say anything on Twitter. They're, they're kicking them off. You know, YouTube is cens- censorship, Brother Dale, censorship. Do you know for nearly seven years in, in, the, in, in Washington, D.C., it was illegal to say the word slavery? that the Democrats passed a law of censorship, that you were not allowed to talk about slavery. You would go to, it was a federal offense. You would go to prison if you even talked about it. That's worse than YouTube, brother. And somehow God brought people through that. Somehow... Somehow he brought victory out of defeat. Somehow he brought light into darkness. So, somehow he wasn't moved by, 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 by these things called people. A- Amen? See, but, well, but Brother Dale, it's just getting so bad. It's so bad out. But doesn't that make you stand out? Somebody say, oh, but the church is failing. Not this church. Yeah, but people don't know what to do. We do. Yeah, but everyone's full of fear. We're not. Yeah, yeah, but what if inflation goes up? Philippians 4.19 will go up. Amen. He said he'd meet all my needs. He didn't say so long as gas is lower than five bucks a gallon. He's going to meet my needs. Besides, if, if there's no more gas, we'll go get in a buggy. Amen. No, let's look here. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials, tests, tests and trials. 
Knowing this, see, you have to know this because if you don't know it, you'll, you'll, you'll miss out. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, say my faith. My faith. You see, I understand there's a lot going on in the world that has nothing to do with you, but what is going on in the world that has something to do with you is the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. See, Brother Dale, you, you, you think, you think uh, my, my faith's under trial? I know it is. You see, there are times and seasons of, of blessings, but there's also, the Bible talks about, in the time of trouble. Jesus talked about different days. Walk while, it's, while there's light, because the, the time is coming where, where there won't be any light. See? There's, there's, there's good days and bad days in the spirit. There's times when Satan will rise up. You've experienced it in your house. There's, there's, there's times when things seem to go well. And then there's times when he raises, the devil raises his ugly head and there's strife or there's this or there's that. And your faith is on trial. Amen. Your faith is on trial. So what is it you're going to do? Well, when you, when you fall into a different kind of test, maybe you've never faced it before, the first thing you should do is count it all joy. Count it joy. See, we, we're happy based on circumstances, but we walk in joy based on our position in Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength, Nehemiah 9 says. And if you lose your joy, you've lost your strength. Get your joy back. Amen. Now, how do we get our, how do you count it joy? How do you get your joy? Well, one of the ways is to reestablish your confession of your faith. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith will work patience. Patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire or complete, lacking nothing, wanting nothing. See, this trial of your faith is to bring you to a new level, a new place. Life's always that way. The lessons you learned last year will fit you and equip you for this year. The lessons I learned as a teenager seeking the Lord, you know, they're the same principles that I use now just at a different area or different level. He used to always give the best analogy I ever could think of was one time my son Ben had a had got a puppy and he wanted to build him a house, a little dog house, you know. So one day while I'm away, Ben goes and steals some boards from his his grandpa and he builds this little dog house with bent nails and you know, he, he got a hammer from somewhere and, and, and just old slab wood and stuff like that. And he, and he got it up. He had a little door on it. The only problem was the dog wouldn't go into it. He's too scared of it because <laughs> it looked like it was going to fall over. And if it did, it'd kill him. And, 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 you know, he had nails, he had hammer, he had wood, he had all the right elements. And that was his first attempt. But see, now 30, Five years later, 30 years later, he'll use those same tools 
and he'll build a real house. Right? Nothing's really changed. Just just that the that he's different. See, you're not the same either. Amen. And and we face different challenges, but the same principle of counting it all joy that you used in the beginning of your life when you faced this low-level fear. Friends, there, there's, you, don't go running after as if there's some new way. See, this, this is the problem. Say, I need to have some new truth for the day. We, we're, we're facing new problems. We need new answers. No, you need to apply because God's had you learning for your whole life and he's brought you up to this place where these same principles will work, but they'll work in a different level, at a higher level. So there I am in the car, and I can't quit get my leg to quit trembling because there's so much fear in the car. I, I, don't, I don't need any new answer. I need to do what I know to do. And I need to begin to count it joy. And I need to begin to bring God into the car because he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me and I need to lift my hands and begin to praise the Lord and count it joy thank you Lord Jesus I'm alive thank you Lord Jesus I'm alive now I thank you Lord Jesus I'm a part of the solution not a part of the problem hallelujah the devil's defeated and Jesus is Lord amen same principle that I've used a hundred times on, on different areas, different levels of fear, diff different issues. No, no, nothing's changed. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Oh, yeah, but I might lose my job. Hallelujah. God will give you a new one. You might learn a new trade. Hello? But you, 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 you need to recognize this. You see, God wants to try your faith. Don't be afraid of that. Go with me back to Genesis. This is nothing new. It goes all the way back to the beginning. I think God enjoys trying our faith. And don't, don't get so spiritual on me because people that are weepy and into suffering, they never did understand it. I, I, I never had a problem with it because I played football. I'm totally serious. Everybody, Christians, they get all weepy about, oh, you know, this test is coming. You know, it's sort of like Jesus going into the wilderness. I always thought that was cool. I like to go into the wilderness. That's where I go too. But everybody's got this negative, weepy, loosey. I like tests. I, we'd, I played football. And we would practice all summer long. We had had football camp, and, 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 and we would be run into the ground. And then the first test come, Friday night under the lights. And we're not in the, we're not in the locker room saying, oh, no, I don't know if we're going to make it. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really big. No. Why? You count it joy. Here we go, boys. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. And we march up up the, through the gravel and up under the field and run through the paper and everybody's shouting. Why? Because we're here to be tested. I think God likes it. 
he's probably shouting right along with with other cheerleaders. Amen. Well, here in Genesis 22, verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham. You know what it means? It means to prove him. He's going to prove him. What do, what do you mean? That means let's see if this, this guy will play. Let's see if he's going to break. Let's prove it. And he said to him, Abraham, and, and we know the story. And uh, he said, listen, take your son, your only son, Isaac, the son that you love, the fulfillment of my promise the heir that's going to lead all the way to Jesus, because Abraham, you saw Jesus' day already, so you know how important Isaac is, because the bloodline goes all the way to Jesus. Take him, and and I'm going to show you a mountain. Take him up on that mountain and kill him and and burn him in a burnt offering and uh, do this, Abraham, for me. And he proved him. And Abraham, now you, you know, I don't know at what point Abraham figured all this out, but he knew this is my promise. Isaac is the promise, and God's telling me to kill him. But if if I kill him, then God isn't keeping his promise, and I'm really killing God because God has to keep his word. So that must mean God's going to raise him from the dead. And that's that's what Abraham believed. You can read it in the book of Hebrews. Abraham released his faith that, whoa, we're going to see a miracle. And so Abraham put on his football cleats and he put on his shoulder pads and he put his helmet on and, and he went out and, and he ran up through the hill and ran through the paper and he, and he lifted the knife and the angel said, okay, I see it. You don't have to go any further. Now I know. Now I know. You know what? That Abraham's faith was going to hold. See, God will try your faith. You don't have to be afraid of that. You need to rejoice in that. You say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. I'm glad you said that. Go with me to John. Flip over with me to John. Let's look at uh, chapter, what is it, 6, I think. I like this one. You'll like this one because you're prosperity people. John chapter 6, verse 5. See, Jesus had already taught him, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're white unto harvest. Verse 5, John 6, 5. Jesus lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes. He saw a great company come unto him, and he said to Philip, oh, where are we going to buy bread, Philip, that these may eat? And he smiles. Now, that's not in the King James, but it's, it's in the Dale Armstrong version. Where will we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him. 
Now I like the, the next phrase. For he himself knew what to do, what he would do. <laughs> See, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He just wasn't sure if Philip knew it. And he didn't know what Philip would do. What are you going to do, Philip? You see, don't fear the future. It just means God wants you to do something more supernatural than you've done before. Don't fear the need of a miracle. Have you ever really faced a situation where, where, where you're not going to get through it without a miracle? You're not going to feed these people without a miracle. Philip, where are you going to buy bread? How are you going to do this? How are you going to? See, God gives somebody a commission to do something. How are you going to do that? How? Excuse me a minute. How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? See, Jesus knows. But he's not sure we know. You got to put your faith out there. Your faith is on trial. Say, so, well, it's getting really bad, Pastor Dale. It's getting really bad. Well, then thank God that, that, that you got all that you need to bless everybody around you. Because you're walking in the supernatural. So Philip, he said, well, 200 penny worth? I don't know. Maybe that's what he had in his checkbook. I don't know. 200 penny worth, it's not enough. We, we don't have enough just to, to take a little. Oh, I hate this about missionaries. If there's one thing I hate about missionaries, it's right there. Missionaries, I've met very few of them. I've met a few. I met one that God gave him a castle. But very few missionaries have an abundance mentality. They all got a minimal mentality. Oh, pastor, would you help me? I need to go to this country. I can get there for $937. And, and we, we, we need $937. So what are you believing for? 938. Why don't you believe for like three grand and take somebody with you? See, you, you need to break this minimalistic thinking. God wants to prove your faith. And he's going to always ask you to do something bigger than you've ever done before. He asked me one time to go to Russia. We had a really nice church. Things were going really, really well. We had just everything in place. Oh, my Lord, everything was just flying. We'd, had, we'd been through a wonderful revival. We had all these leaders. I had a secretary. I had, I had a, uh, uh, the church had started uh, uh, leasing me. I had a Dodge Durango. I had the first Dodge Durango in Titusville, Pennsylvania. Just first edition, man, came out of the factory. First year it came out. Drove it off a lot. I'm pastor. Church has taken care of me. I was blessed. And then on top of that, I had this office that was as big as the front of the church. Just about. 
Remember my back office? It was huge. You could almost go bowling in my office. It was beautiful. And then some fella comes in and builds me wood bookcases, handmade bookcases, real expensive. I was so excited. I was blessed sitting on top of the mountain. And God says, give it away. Go to Russia. So I did. I remember the day I finally made the decision to pull the trigger because you have other people involved in a decision. Some things you just can't make the decision yourself. So I had to wait and I had to ask and just massage it through. And finally I took the garbage out of my office and I just saw there was a lot of garbage piled up so I just took it and went out into the parking lot out to the dumpster and lifted the plastic lid, threw the garbage in there, and slammed the plastic lid. And I'm sitting there on this garbage dumpster, smelling the garbage, looking out over the field. And, and I thought, Lord, if I don't go, this is it. This is the top. I'm the, I'm the big fish in the fishbowl. But if I go, I'm the tadpole in the ocean. And I realized I couldn't stay. He challenged me. He was proving my faith. So I made the decision. And I'll never forget this. I gave everything away. And you don't realize how much you gave away until it's all gone. Now I don't even have an office. I don't have anywhere to put my books. I ain't got a building big enough to put my books in. I got a pool house, though. So I went from this real big desk to this little tiny desk. And guess what? I, I gave the, the church away to a new pastor. I had to give him my car keys. I gave it away. I don't have my Durango anymore. I don't have my secretary anymore. And I ended up in Moscow. And I thought, well, I need to go to a language school and get some Russian language. So I went to this two-week school. And I'm learning Russian. And I had to rent this little apartment near the university. And it was so dirty because I had to get a cheap one that I sat on the floor in the center of the room because I felt it was safer than sitting in any of the furniture. It was just so bad. And I'm sitting on the floor with my Bible and I start to bawl. You know what bawling is? I don't mean a cry. I don't mean a little trickle. I mean I am bawling. I lose it. I spring a gusher. I am crying. I, what have I done? I don't have anything. I don't have any money. I don't have a secretary. I don't have a car. I don't have nothing. I don't know how I'm going to do this. What on earth are you asking me to do? And I'm bawling. And then all of a sudden I see. I've got faith. He stripped all that away. To remind me. That the rich. Sometimes don't have faith. But the poor in the kingdom of God, are rich in faith.
And I started to do something that was really hard to do. And you probably never heard about it. But here's what I did. I'm counting this joy. Yeah. I'm sitting there on the middle of the floor. I ain't got nothing. I'm alone. I feel alone. I ain't got no money. What are you going to do? Count it all joy. And I lift my hands. I said, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, it just wells up in me because I've been doing it all day. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You just count it joy. That's how you do it. How you do it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, see, this is how Jesus did it. Are you hearing John? I'm gonna show you something you never saw. Well, two hundred penny worth. There's a little boy. Verse ten. Jesus said, "Make the men sit down." Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. When's the last time you took 5,000 people to lunch? See, you've got to have the miracle power of God. See, Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he saw 5,000 people with needs, and he knew what he was going to do. But he didn't know if Philip knew what to do. So he proved him. See, Jesus didn't just bless 5,000 people. He blessed Philip. Are, are, you, are you here? So Jesus, he says, well, get them all in order. In verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves. What are, what are they among so many? It's just, it's just a little bit. How can I meet? This huge need with just this little bit. By counting it all joy. He took the loaves and what did he do? And he gave thanks. He wasn't saying grace. He was thanking God for what he had. What you have is enough. What's that in your hand, Moses? He took those loaves, that little bit that he had, and he gave God thanks. See, it doesn't matter where you're at. You fall into this test of your faith. You count it joy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Some of you, you know, you've heard... Terry and I and our testimony. I came back from that week, two weeks. I, I looked for an apartment. I had three boys. Where are we going to live? I found a studio apartment for $5,000 a month. 
I couldn't find an apartment. Moscow was the most expensive city in the world that year. There was no answer. I knocked on every door. I did everything in the natural I could do, and there was nothing. I came home, and, and, and my wife and I, we started talking about it. She said, well, maybe it's another city. No, God said move to Moscow. See, your flesh will try to wiggle out of what he tells you to do. See, what's he told you to do? And I said, no, honey, we just need to pray and thank God. I said, what do you want in your new apartment? She said, I've always wanted a jacuzzi. And I just bust out laughing. Now I'm into joy. Amen. Let's have a good time this year. Let's just chap the devil off and have the best year of our lives. And, And I said... You, you, you want a jacuzzi? And I just lost it. I started laughing. I'd just been in, a, in a, a studio apartment for five grand a month. You understand what I'm talking about? Where the bed snaps up into the wall? Five grand for that. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know where we're going to live, but you know, and it's going to have a jacuzzi. And I started praising God with my wife, laying in bed with her. Thank God for our apartment and our jacuzzi. And she says, what do you want in your new apartment in Moscow? I said, I want high-speed internet. Because it had just come out in America. They didn't have it there. And, and so she started laughing, and I started laughing because I knew it was impossible. Yeah, count it all joy. Some of you will need to get drunk to be able to count it joy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to Sid later. And those of you listening by recording, you figure it out on your own. But not with wine wherein is excess, but by being full of the Holy Ghost. And so we started praising the Lord. And supernaturally, the Lord led us to somebody. And I remember riding up the elevator. He was going to show me this apartment. And he, he looked at me and he says, I don't know if it's important, but my wife, when we designed this apartment, my wife wanted a jacuzzi. I don't know if it's important, but we have a jacuzzi in our apartment. And I'm just looking at him, and in the same sentence, he said, and I work for the law firm, and they wanted me to have high-speed internet, so they put a satellite dish on the next building and beam it in the window. Now, you have to move the receiver a little bit every once in a while, but we have high-speed internet in the apartment. How do you say no? How do you get that? How do you walk in? Because your face on trial. Count it all Joy. But see, what happens is you begin to change. Go with me to Proverbs 27. Look at verse 21. As the fining pot for silver and the furnace for gold. Now, you know what that is, right? A refiner's pot. And a furnace, you get the temperature up and that, that metal, whether it's silver or gold, it melts. You know, it's sort of like when you get that butter out of the freezer and you want to butter your bread so you put it in the microwave. You know what I'm talking about. It, <laughs> it gets to that place where it, it just melts. 
And that dross or the impurities in the medical metal, they come out. Now, I never did it, but I've seen enough video and you know what I'm talking about. You can then take that that doesn't belong, that impurity, and you can remove it through this process. And there's no other way to get it out. And there's things in our lives that, that we need to get those impurities out. And there's a finding pot for silver and there's a furnace for gold. So is a man to his praise. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I got enough tools to look into the scriptures in the original languages. Uh, and I've spent a lot of time on this, enjoying it. Plus... I have the practicality of, of laying out the consequences of the interpretation. One interpretation is that the furnace and the refining is when people praise me and how I react. In other words, that when people say, oh, you know, you're amazing. Well, then do you humble yourself or do you get lifted up in pride? And that that is this refining process. All right? Well, that's the typical translation, but it's not the right one. And the, contextually, the reason it's not the right one is because not everyone is subjected to other people praising them. But God's an equal opportunity employer. And, in, and if my refining is going to be waiting for you to praise me, then my spiritual transformation is based on external forces or other people. Are you following me? No, the Hebrew here brings it out. And, and I've, I don't know, I looked at eight or nine different translations and looking at this. It's the question of who you praise that will refine you. You see, when you get into a place of your faith under test, and you begin to praise Jesus like I did on that floor in that little apartment in Moscow, and the tears rolling down my face, and I wanted to just give up and, 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 and fold up, and, and I began to, Count it all joy. That's the refiner's fire. The praise comes tumbling off of your lips and God begins to arrive and the Lord fills the room. You see, your praise of Him will refine who you are. Your praise of Him. He, he's immutable. He doesn't change. Your praise does nothing to God. Your praise does not affect God. But your praise changes you. And so when you face that test and, and that trial of prove me now and you lift your hands up and say, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Well, the Bible tells us Let's go over to Psalms. The Bible tells us the first thing that happens 
in Psalms 22 and verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou who inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits. He inhabits the praises. God comes. Doesn't he, John? God comes. God comes into that car when you can't stop your leg from shaking because of the fear. See, I used to build a little doghouse, but I've gone beyond doghouses. I used to deal with little fear devils. You, you don't want to know what I know. You don't have to know what I know, but you do want to know who I know, and you want to praise who I know, and, and you want to sit up above and come up hither, and you want to recognize there's a throne, and there's one sitting on that throne, and he inhabits the praises of his people. Turn over with me to Psalms 100. Let's just have a, an amazing year. Let's have, a, let's have a joyful, laughing, giggling year. Oh, but God. <laughs> let's just try it out. What are you going to do when inflation goes to 15%? <laughs> well, the book of Job says... At destruction and famine, I will laugh. <laughs> Let's just try it out. What are you going to do when you pull up to the pump and gas is five bucks a gallon? <laughs> what are you going to do when you go to the grocery store? And you look over there to get your little chicken breasts and you look in the freezer and it's empty. There ain't no chicken breasts. <laughs> We're all going to the Schumann's house for dinner tonight. <laughs> Let's just have a year full of joy. Look here in Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> now you I know you can do it in church but I wonder if you're going to do it when you roll up to the gas pump and you look at the, the, at the, the price that's when you got to do it when you walk into the grocery store and, and, and they ain't got your brand of orange juice that happened to me the other day I thought where's everything gone I had to go read the news and find out there's a supply problem. I didn't know there was a supply problem. 
But when they don't have your favorite brand of orange juice, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, Lord, it's horrible. It's Isn't life hard? I got to go with another brand. Oh, we're suffering for Jesus. It's just so tough out there. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Let's just have an amazing time. Amen. It's all what you look at. I said, it's all in what you look at. You, you, can, you can go in the news and get yourself all worked up and listen to what the California governor has to say, or you can go listen to what the Virginia governor has to say. Amen. We're going to look on things above, not on things on the earth. We're going to set ourselves up above and not beneath. We're going to look at what is not changeable, what is eternal. Amen? And we're going to remember Jesus is on the throne. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, friends, I I know I've said this already, but I'm just going to. You've got to become proficient in walking in the presence of God. Practice it. Someone say, well, I get up in the morning and I read my Bible every day. Well, that's good. Thank God for reading the Word. But you get His presence before you read that Word. So, well, I don't know. I don't have the presence of God. You get His presence. But but how do I get his prayer? Sometimes you're going to do some repenting. You need to get on your face before the Lord and get right. You see, the presence of God and the joy of the Lord and the life of praise is a spiritual thermometer to make sure you're okay. Amen. Because when you lose that joy, you've lost your strength. Become proficient. And walking in the presence of God. You're driving in the car. Turn that lousy music off. You don't need to be listening to that stuff. I mean, there's good music. You can listen to good music. Sometimes you just need to turn it off, though, and lift your own hands. You need to learn how to call the power of God down into your house. Remember years ago, my wife and I, we had a guest speaker come in, Bob McDonald, such a precious friend of mine. He came from Hawaii, so he's like 12 hours difference, you know. Comes into our house, he's staying at our house. And, and uh, so Bob and I stayed up every night, and he'd sleep during the day, and then he'd preach. And every night, he'd be in my living room, just, thank you, Lord Jesus, I worship you. He brought God back into my house. I didn't even know the presence of God had left. Terry and I got so convicted because we used to walk in that all the time. Somehow, kids, I blame it on the kids. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's hard to be in the presence of God when, when you know, Cookie Monster and Elmo aren't getting along. and <laughs> Come home and Terry's crying because Bert and Ernie were breaking up. And <sighs> Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's a scary thing. 
but just life. And there came Pastor Bob, and he just lifted his hands. Oh, I bless you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Let your power be in this house. And the power of God came back in our house. And I remember after about a week of that, I said to Bob, thanks for staying up all night and praying with me. A lot of people don't like to pray all night with me, and you did, and I just that means a lot to me. And he looked at me and said, I, I, I'm 12 hours time zone, brother. I wasn't staying up. <laughs> I thought, oh. <laughs> you need to become proficient in the presence. Hallelujah. Know, verse 3, that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Don't you know he's going to take care of you? I don't care how bad it gets. I know God's going to take care of you. Say, so, well, how bad's it going to get, Brother Dale? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, you think there'll be war, Brother Dale? It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. But it, it, it ought not change you. Why? Because your faith is on trial and it works a perfect patience. And that word patience means you're consistently constant. You don't change. Paul said it this way, no matter what state I am, I'm the same. Amen? He's going to take care of us. We're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We need training in this. To the Lord. Being thankful to the Lord. You teach your kids to be thankful. I hope you do. Say thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Friends, there's people going through this stuff and they don't have Jesus. There's people going through this economy and they don't have Jesus. There's people going through this uncertainty in the world and they don't have Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, now here's the point. You get to that level... And if Jesus would prove Philip. Now, come on, invite this into your life. Hey, what about me, Lord? Don't leave me out. 
Jesus wanted to feed 5,000 people. Have you ever fed 5,000 people? It was something real. Some of you have fed a lot of people. See, God will always challenge you in areas of serving and ministering and in blessing that's impossible. I'm praying that God lay an impossible mandate on you. An impossible mandate on you. Oh, what am I going to do? Thank you, Jesus. 200 pennies. I got 200 pennies, Jesus. Jesus says, let me show you what you can do with 200 pennies. I just got a little boy's lunch, Jesus. It's not even the disciples' lunch. I'm taking it from the little boy. Jesus says, I want to show you what I can do with a little boy's lunch. Why? Because he's good. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. The truth from that generation applies to this generation. You don't need new answers to old problems. That's all right here. You don't need anything more than this. Rebuild your confession. By his stripes I am healed. Everything I put my hand to prospers in the name of Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. All things I desire, I receive believing in prayer. Just rebuild your, your, your confession and begin to praise him more. Now I'm on double dog dare you to jump into a life of praise and thankfulness. You get up, what does that mean? That means you get up in the morning, and you, you, you're laying in bed, and you open your eyes, and you pull the little covers down, and you lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to be glad, and I'm going to rejoice in it. And you get out of your bed, and you say, Where's my T-shirt or whatever it is, you know? And you say, thank you, Lord, for this T-shirt. I remember when I was just about 17 years old when I'd given away everything I owned, a complete cycle. I didn't have nothing but what I'd sewed everything. <laughs> and it's like that little T-shirt came from Jesus Put them shoes on, them's God's shoes. Pull them socks over my little toes, that's God's sock. That's praising the Lord. Look at this beautiful hat that the Lord gave him. Look at this gray shirt, it goes with the hat. He even looks cool. Thank you, Jesus, for that gray outfit. He's got them cool, yeah, that, 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 that 
survival khaki pants. Those things don't have a wrinkle in them anywhere. Think he's even got the stylish new boots now that that's in style. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for my shoes. Y'all looking at me strange. You ought to have, you got to have a gracious gratitude attitude. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 1 again. Make a joyful noise. Because you got too much noise in your head that doesn't belong there. Amen. Jesus was getting ready to die. He knew his time, his hour was coming closer. And he got his little ride on that Mercedes donkey. <laughs> and all the kids, children's church let out. And all these children come running out with these palm fronds. And they're throwing them down in front of that donkey. And they're screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna. You think our kids dancing is weird? Just read your Bible. It was children's church. All these kids were worshiping and praising Jesus, the King of Israel. And the scribes and the Pharisees, all the religious people, came to Jesus with their screwed up faces, trying to correct his doctrine. And he said, haven't you read? Haven't you read how through the mouth of babes and sucklings, God perfects praise? Those kids were giving forth perfect praise. I don't ever wonder about kids down front praising. What I wonder is how come the old gray-headed people aren't? I, ooh, that hurt. <laughs> yeah, but you're not old, John. Anyhow, go down and we'll close. Look at Psalms 8. Y'all are going to be snowed in tomorrow anyway. I ain't going to worry about how late it is. I was at a church preaching last two weeks ago. I'd been there before apparently because I asked them if anyone would give me five minutes. Who would give me five minutes? And nobody raised their hand. Not a one in the house. I thought, I thought my, my little joke is out. That hurt. That stung. I was only 15 minutes over. I mean, come on. Psalms 8, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is, is thy name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. Now, Jesus, in, in the Greek, he says you've perfected praise. But in the Hebrew, you've ordained strength because of your enemies that you might silence, say silence. silence. Oh, silence. I like peace. And peace is sometimes equal to silence. Some of you grandparents know what I mean when the grandchildren go home. <laughs> silence. It's a beautiful feeling. I mean, it's like, ho, 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 ho. Shh. No little pitter-patter of nothing. 
silence. You have ordained strength because of your enemies. You have enemies that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. Now where's all that to silence him? Where's all that noise? It's it's right here. You know that noise. You've heard that noise. Usually it sounds like, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? That's what it sounds like. Or it sounds like, how are you going to pay for that? How are you going to pay for that? Yeah. All this noise just going off, round and round like machine gun bullets. Am I the only one with a noisy head sometimes? Any of you ever had noise in your head? Yeah? You got noise in your head? What am I going to do? What's the answer? You're going to praise the Lord. You're going to count it all joy. See, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He's did this because of your enemies, that you could shut them up. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. See, what does, what does Job say? At destruction and famine, I will laugh. You know, sometimes you just need to laugh. You know, you watch these old sitcoms. You ever watch them old sitcoms? And you know that there's nobody in the audience, but at, at every different point, there's laughter. It's canned. <laughs> they got a button, and they know that they can play that canned laughter And there you are, 30 years later, sitting in your living room laughing to canned laughter. Because it's contagious, isn't it? Did you know you learn to laugh by faith? My wife learned to laugh by faith because she's put up with my jokes for 30-some years. You can determine to laugh. At destruction and famine, I will laugh. Some of you need to look at your checkbook and just laugh. Some of you need to look at that stack of bills on your desk. You know where they're at. You just need to go and just put your hand on them and just laugh. Uh-huh. At destruction and famine, I will laugh. Somebody said, well, that's just crazy. No, sticking your, your, head, sticking your head in the oven and letting that noise continue, that's crazy. Oh, what are you going to do now? I'm going to laugh. Amen. Let's have the best year of our life. Let's have the most joy-filled ride you ever imagined. Let's become really, really old people and look back and tell our grandkids, oh, those were the good old days. 
Amen? At destruction and famine, I will laugh. Say, well, that's just crazy. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you've ordained strength. I haven't gotten crazy enough yet. All right, take your wallet out and look at it. Take your wallet out. Some of you ain't got a wallet. Take a little money clip, whatever. Some of you don't have any money. You get your checkbook. If you ain't got either, take your neighbors. (laughs) Some of you got it on your phone. I guess that's what you... Now you just look at that and just say... Ha, 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 what am I laughing at? I don't know. Either there's not enough or there's too much. <laughs> Maybe there's too much. <laughs> I said, this guy's crazy. You ain't even, I ain't even gotten started. <laughs> I got to do it with you, otherwise it ain't fair. <sighs> Somewhere in here I got my little folder. <laughs> I'm serious, laugh at it. <laughs> Now, how come I'm laughing at my wallet? Because he didn't say he'd meet my needs according to this. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say he's going to meet my needs according to that. What's it say? He's going to meet my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So how do you count it joy when you fall into all kinds of diverse trials and temptations? Because you look at the greater, higher truth of the one seated on the throne, and he's my source. It's not this. (laughs) Jesus is my need meter. He said in James 1, look, when when the poor man is made rich, you need to rejoice because you're under trial. He also said, when the rich man is made poor, you ought to rejoice because you're under trial. One's going up, one's coming down. But you both rejoice. The rich man is, is made poor, but he realizes life is short and it's not about this. If you can't laugh at this, you think it is about this. Amen. It just really, it is laughable. <laughs> well, that's really laughable. <laughs> Somebody said, Pastor, mine ain't laughable. Oh, yeah, it is. Anybody who has the trial financially of a lack of money, according to James 1, is a poor man being made rich. When the rich man has a trial of being made poor and a poor man 
has a trial of being made rich. One's going up, one's coming down. Your trial's going up. Or your trial is coming down. If your trial is an abundance of money, you're a poor man being made rich. If your trial is lack of money, you're a rich man being made poor. Some of you are going to get this in the middle of the night. If you're a rich man being made poor, that's your trial is the lack of money. You're going up to down. If you're a poor man being made rich, you're dealing with abundance. Your trial is the money and what you're going to do with the money as you go up. If you're having a financial trial, it's because you're the rich person. You still didn't get it. Which way are you going? See, when they drop the million dollars in your lap, that's a different trial. Because the first thing you're going to do is write that check out to CWI. Right. And those zeros just, whoa. See, that's one, that's one trial going up and keeping everything in perspective. And the only way to do it is to laugh at that because it ain't nothing. But if you're rich and you're coming down, then the trial is a lack of money. Is there anybody in here have a trial of a lack of money? Then that means you're rich. Oh, you still, so I don't think you got it. You're rich. And, and you're coming down and your lack of money so you count it all joy. Why? Because your source isn't here. Your source is him. Amen? So let's have the greatest year of our life. That means more of this than ever before. That means more giving than ever before. More sowing than ever before. More feeding the 5,000 than ever before. I asked the Lord, I said, how, how come you fed these different groups? How come not just once? Because there's many miracles Jesus just did at once. How come? Because he wanted, to, he wanted to show those disciples this is how you do it. He was expecting Philip to do it. Pick up the mandate. Stand up on your feet. Pick up the mandate. I know I've gone long. I, I'm not going to stand here and lie to you and say things are always easy. And I'm not going to stand here and lie to you and say tomorrow's going to be easier. I don't know. In the Bible, you don't even want to play with it. I can read the newspaper just like you. I want to be sure that you're prepared. No matter what the world brings, no matter what politically is, is the fallout, no matter what complaint goes up, what right has been stolen, what inflation is doing, doesn't change our praise. Doesn't change the message, doesn't change our praise. Lift your hands up. 
and begin to thank him. And I'll turn it over to John. Begin to thank him of a tangible thing in your life. You have to train yourself. I don't thank you, Lord, for my gray hat. Praise him and thank him for something specifically. Thank you, Lord, for my overcoat. Thank you, Lord, my car is full of gas tonight. Thank you, Lord, my cow is not sick. Thank you, Lord, my dog is alive. Thank you, Jesus, my roof does not leak. I'm, I'm totally serious, guys. Learn to thank God for specific, tangible things. Thank you, Jesus, that my wife is full of joy. Thank you, Lord, my wife is healed and whole. Thank you, Lord, her body's full of strength. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. I'm not going to let you go. Learn to thank God specifically for tangible things. You don't know what to thank Him for. Look around you. Thank you, Lord, for my new watch. Thank you, Lord, for my shoes. Thank you, Lord, I have shoes. Thank you, Lord, I have my knees. They work. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that right, Alan? Thank you, Lord, my knees work. <coughs> Thankfulness. Thank you, Lord. Now let's be a little bit edgy and make a joyful noise. Lead us in praise and worship. On the first Saturday of this year, 2022, I stood up here and I told you, I said, this is the year of miracles. This is the year of miracles. That means two things. It means you're going to see some bigger trials and tests than you've seen before. You're going to come up against them. But the second thing it means is it means that the Lord's going to be glorified because those tests and trials are going to be defeated. We're going to come through it and over it. And there's going to be miracles like we haven't seen before in this year. I believe it. So if you need a miracle in your life that you know of right now, you lay hold of it. And over these next couple of songs, let's rejoice and thank the Lord for what He is doing and has done for you. Take a hold of it in your spirit as though it's already happened. Rejoice as though it's already behind you. Now, I intentionally did not listen to last week's message because I didn't want it to 
filter through my spirit as to what God wanted for you today any more than I'd meddle with John telling him what songs to sing, which I didn't, but you can tell the songs and the sermon kind of lined up. And the miracles you need are real and tangible and measurable. And there's at least three of you tonight because there's three things God just spoke to me before Pastor Sid went and grabbed the mic. That if you understand that your problem, that you've been trying to make it go away, isn't because you're doing the wrong thing. It's because you're not doing the right thing. And if you're here tonight and you're struggling with the addiction to nicotine and smoking, the addiction to narcotics, or an addiction to pornography, if you just lay that down of what of you're doing the wrong thing and pick up what was said tonight and start doing the right thing and lift your hands and open your mouth and say, thank you, Jesus, I'm free. Thank you, Jesus, I am free. Thank you, Jesus, I am free. Come on, lift your hands up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am I'm free. free. Yes. I'm free. free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, I am Jesus. free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You, Thank Lord. you, Lord. You heard correctly. All right. <laughs> You know, there's promises of God in Scripture that still apply to you and I. Where Dale was reading in Psalms 100, in the very last verse, it says, The Lord is good, and His faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Not a thousand generations, like is often said, but all generations. If His faithfulness endures for all generations, that means that in our generation right now, this one, the one we're in, that He is faithful to His promises for this generation. In Psalms, actually, I'll just say it this way. God gave Jesus all these tremendous promises to say to us. Things like, you're going to do greater things than I did. 
Things like, if two of you on earth get together and you agree about anything that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Things like, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything you want, it'll happen. Again and again and again, he made the most outrageous promises to us. And God in his faithfulness is not about to let those promises go unfulfilled. God in his faithfulness gave and sent and laid those promises out for our day. He put them in place. He set them in motion so that we could just grab a hold of them, believe them, and it would be so. Listen to what he says in Psalms 56. Now, this is David surrounded by Philistines. They've actually not just surrounded him, they've got him. They captured him. He's in Gath, and he makes this comment. He says, when I'm afraid, well, I suppose so. He had a reason to fear, didn't he? He says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. But listen to what he says next. In God, whose word I praise. Tonight, as we're beginning to praise the Lord, I just, I just had to keep telling the Lord, thank you, Jesus, for making those promises. Thank you, Jesus, for saying that. I, I praise your promise, Father, because it's His character that's behind the promise that just causes it to come to pass. Let's thank Him for His promises. Thank you, Jesus, that you said it to us. Thank you, Father, for your word. I praise your word. I rejoice in your word, that your word will not fail for all generations. I bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for healing. Thank you for life. Thank you, Lord, that you speak life into dead things. Thank you, Lord. I bless your word. I exalt your word. I exalt your promise, Father. I exalt your character, Father. You are good in every way to every generation. Thank you that that includes me, Father, in this house, and these people, and the miracles that we're received as tonight. They belong to us. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. You are good. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're counselor. You're the prince of peace. You're a mighty God. You're the overcoming one. You're the loving, faithful, worthy of our praise, Lord. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? (laughs) That's him laughing, right? That's him seizing the promise and saying, it's mine. It belongs to me. I'm not going to be denied because he's faithful to all generations. (laughs) Now listen, as you experience these miracles... You've got to do something. You've got to tell people. You've got to shout it from the housetop. You've got to tell your neighbors. You've got to call up your family and tell them, hey, did you hear what happened? Did you hear how good the Lord is? All right? And let his goodness be known throughout the land. Let his triumphs be heard throughout the land. Can we do that?
Don't you just love your family? Isn't it? It's like a warm blanket every time you come in here. It's cozy and warm and oh, it's just great. The atmosphere of Jesus is always wonderful. Thanks for coming tonight, Church of the Word, here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So great to assemble together, sisters and brothers, in the body of Christ, the family of God. Your faces are just so smiling and wonderful. Thank you. I'd like to encourage you tonight. You know, our whole night together is a time of worship. The Father said in John, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So the truth is God's word. You don't have to go any further than this wonderful book here. And in Psalms 46, it says, God is our refuge and our strength. You don't have to go any further than God to get the strength that you need every day. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Glory to God. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, the mountains shake. That's a lot of trouble right there, isn't it? <laughs> there is a river right here, a river of living waters that makes glad the city of David. Right, right where you are, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the holy place of the tabernacle. Do you know that Jesus Christ is living inside of you? You're tabernacking the Most High God. That's what it says. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Come and behold the works of the Lord and be still. See, sometimes you just need to be still. When all that trouble is going on around and about you, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with me. Say that. The Lord of hosts is with me, and he is my refuge. Make this book very personal because you have a personal Savior that died specifically for you, rose again from the dead. So let's stand together, family, tonight, and let's worship our Father, worship Jesus, thank Him for all He is and all He's done.
Let's just declare out over this room and the atmosphere and ourselves and everything around us, Jesus is Lord. Everything that we do tonight is to glorify Him, to praise Him, to worship Him, to walk in step with Him. So let's keep our hearts, our eyes, our ears all turned toward the Lord to hear and to receive. And not just to receive, but also to give, right? Give as the Lord has given to you to each other and bless each other. Well, good evening, everyone. We're glad to see you tonight. It might be cold outside, but it's warm in here. Amen. Well, we would like to welcome our guests this evening. So if you're here for the very first time, could you raise your hand so we can see who you are and make sure you feel welcome? Anyone here for the very first time? All right. Guess not. Okay, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, just raise your hand and our ushers will uh, bring one to you. And we're going to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. How many know that it's right to honor God? And I know you're a people of honor and I know you have a desire to honor God. And I wanted to read some things to you out of Malachi. You know, I really believe that tithing is a demonstration of honor. And uh, why do I believe that? Well, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. It says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. This is the Lord talking, by the way. The Lord's asking this question. He says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, and he is one, and he is a he's a good father. How many know that? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. And if you keep on reading here, he begins to show that the lack of honor and the lack of respect was shown in their offerings and in their attitude towards offerings. It it says, um, you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? And he says, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying the Lord's temple table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? Or diseased animals? See, they were bringing in, you know, things that were, well, in, back in those times, you know, they had sacrifices morning and evening. And so, you know, oh, well, this one, hey, he's not going to make it by morning. You know what? It's almost time for the evening sacrifice. Let's take, let's take this one here because let's just, you know, kill two birds with one stone. That's not honor. That's not honor. So the the lack of honor was shown in how they were handling the offerings. And if you read through this first chapter and into chapter 2, you'll see more on that. And then in chapter 3, he says this. He, they said, he says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And he says this question that seems so crazy. He says, will a mere man mortal... Rob God? Now think about that. A man robbing God? He says, but yet you are robbing me in tithes and offerings. So the problem, the lack of honor was shown in their offerings, their attitude towards offerings. And then the solution, the return to that he was talking about was also shown in tithes and offerings. So that's why I believe that it is a matter of honor. Now, who knows a scripture in Proverbs that would talk about honor? And how to show honor to God. Anybody here know a scripture in Proverbs? 
That's right. Honor the Lord with your wealth. That's pretty straightforward. And with the first fruits of all your produce. Notice it doesn't say leftovers. First fruits is not leftovers. It's the chiefest part, the best part, the first. So it's not like, well, hey, this one's about to die. Let's go take this one to the evening sacrifice. So it's pretty clear we honor the Lord with our things, with our stuff. Now, we know that um, in Romans talks about you know, present your body as a living sacrifice. The Lord wants all of you. He wants your whole life. And he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. You know, in Isaiah 29, 13 says this, says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So, you know, we could go through the motions. We could bring him, you know, speak words of honor. We could um, go through motions, outwardly things that, are honorable, but our heart be far from him. We don't want that. We want to honor the Lord truly from a sincere heart. But we also know that he says to honor the Lord with your stuff. So we're going to do that tonight. We're going to return the tithe and honor him in that way. And you know, he wants to bless you. You know, the tithe gives him an access point. He says, test me. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing until there's no more lack. So let's believe that and praise God for his goodness to us. All right, take a hold of your tithe and your offering. Lord, we just love you, and we want to honor you with our lives. We just want to do things that please you. We want to hit the mark with our life. We want our life to be a living sacrifice. And Lord, we don't want to just go through motions, but we want to have a sincere heart, a heart that longs to honor you and to please you in all that we do. So we just, we lift you up tonight. We exalt you. Just show us, Lord, how to increase in honor. Reveal to us by your word, by your spirit, ways that we need to change, things we need to change, how to come up in this. Because, Lord, we just want to make it right. We want to do right before you all of our days. Lord, I thank you so much for the many times you've rescued us, the way you've delivered us, provided for us. Time and time again, we give you praise for that. And I thank you, Lord, that you open the windows of heaven for these tithers and pour out blessing. Remove all need in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the ushers will pass the baskets and the people will give to the Lord. All right, quite a bit in the bulletin tonight that we want to mention. Um, January, Saturday, January 2nd, 8 a.m. is a men's breakfast, so we do have a sign-up sheet in the back lobby tonight. If you plan to attend, please put down your name. Um, let's see. Ghana Initiative Mission Trip Meeting is going to be Sunday, January 30th at 1.30 in the afternoon, and that's going to be at Troy and Rebecca Fouts' house. So if you plan to attend that meeting, please talk to Troy and let them know that you will be showing up. The Cup of Joe meeting is Monday, February 7th, here at the church at 7 p.m. The Gale brothers running for, one of them's running for governor and one for the U.S. Senate. So you can come out and, and hear what their vision is. Also, LTS is about to start the new semester, is that right? And so if you're interested in being part of a, if you've never started before, I would strongly encourage it. You know, it is a real 
it's, it's such a good way to build a strong foundation on the inside, you know, go further, you know, really deepen your walk with the Lord and just get rooted and grounded in what you believe and who you are and to not miss the mark in your life, not miss the call that God's put on you. And so I really encourage you to do that. It's only one Saturday a month and one Monday night a month. So most everything else is done from home. So pretty doable. Uh, we also have donation summaries here. So if you were here last week, maybe you got one. Um, but we are passing out them for those of you that didn't get yours last week. And I am sorry to say that we missed getting our letter from Pastor Sid and I in with the donation summary. So we do have those. If you got one last week and you'd like a letter, uh, Debbie has one or whoever's passing them out. I think someone else is. So we'll be passing those out in addition to the donation summary. All right, Pastor, you have some announcements. Well, good evening. So good to be together again. Be in the corporate presence of the Lord. You know, some people, they have this weird idea that their time with the Lord is just on when it's church time. And that's just, you know, that's not right. That's not, the, that's not good thinking. That's stinking thinking. It's kind of like people that have this idea that morning is the only time for coffee. You know, no, any time is time for coffee. Well, any time is time for God, right? And so, um, but when we come to these meetings, let's come with the expectation that the Lord's going to speak to me and through me. And our meetings will just go up, up from glory to glory. Two things I wanted to go over with you. Um, the first is just, again, about the meeting tonight. I'll remind you at the end of the service again. But all of our, if you lead a team, then we're going to ask you to remain in the room as well as our home group leaders to remain here in the room. And then um, we'll run the rest of you out, which is unusual for us, right? Um, but there's the whole downstairs with the food and everything they got going on there. They usually put a nice spread on there so uh, everyone can get together there and break bread together. And the rest of the crew will join you shortly after. The other thing that I'm really excited about tonight is the we are letting you know about our home groups and when they begin again. So you can mark it in your calendar, January 23rd, the week of the 23rd, um, is when we will begin meeting again in our home groups. And downstairs, you will find a place to sign up for which group you want to be a part of. You can see who the leaders are of the different groups. And if one group gets too full, well, then we'll just make some more. So everyone can sign up. There's room enough for everybody. If there's not, we'll make room. And, but be sure and, and check that out and, and sign up down there. I have a question. <clears throat> Who would like to be honored by the Lord more than what you have been in the past? Let's see a show of hands. Who would like to experience more honor from the Lord? Not from man. See, but I'm talking about from the Lord. We just heard Jen talking about honor. And, you know, the Lord said, I will honor those who honor me. So if you would like to have more honor from the Lord, 
Here is the secret to receiving more honor from Him. Honor Him and His things more. When He said, I will honor those who honor Me, that means He is going to respond to you and I. How we, how we behave towards Him. The way we respond to Him. And so He'll respond in kind to us. And so our home group series is going to, the, the title of the series, what we're going to be studying, it's called Honor to Whom Honor. And it's a, it's a subject that Brother Keith Moore taught. It's 17 lessons long. And so we are going to get immersed into honor. You know, I, I think when I look at our church here, I just want you to know, I'm going to pat you on the back first and then we're going to learn how far we have to go. But I think that this church is just one of the most honorable places that I've been. The people are so full of honor. They honor each other. They honor the Lord. They honor His things. And yet, when I look at our culture around us, there's such an ama- I mean, just vacuum of honor everywhere you look. You know, it's, it's in society around us. It's, you can just find it anywhere you look. And, you know, in Malachi, I think you read this verse tonight, Jen, where it's, the Lord says, He goes, I'm a father, yet where's my honor? If I'm a master, and He is the master, He is the father, He goes, where's your fear of me? And He was talking to the people in, in Malachi, but we could also say that to the people of the society around us, and sometimes us. And the, some of the things that come with honor. If God is honoring you, that means um, advancement. That means increase. That means promotion. That means more favor for you. God's favor towards you. Being used by God more. Those are all things that come with honor and are part of being honored by the Lord. And so, if we want to come up in that, then we have to look at ourselves and go, okay, um, if if we are to be the salt and light of the earth, then obviously one of the things that we're going to have to be known for is our love, right? The other thing we're going to have to be known for is our honor. How honorable people we are to, to our word, to each other, to in our spousal relationships, in our family relationships, you know, all around us. When we give our word, we actually honor what we say. And so in these, this series, in this lesson, I don't want anyone to have the idea that thinks, well, I already have this mastered, so I don't necessarily need to be a part of that. I strongly encourage you to to come out, be a part of it, and here's how I'm looking at it personally. You know how children will often behave like their parents? You know, they'll take things on from their parents. They become like their parents. Well, a church is the same way. The people will often behave and act like the pastor. And so I know that if I want our body to come up in honor, then I need to come up in honor. To honor the things of God more. To honor His people more. To to be a person of such honor that it creates an atmosphere in my family, you're my family, that everyone comes up in that level. So I'm not pointing a finger at you. You understand that. All fingers are pointed here to me. And all of us will grow in this. You know, you might say, well, maybe you can't think of places where honor is lacking very quickly. 
And part of that reason is, is if you're having that go through your mind is because we are so saturated in a culture of dishonor, we scarcely know what honor is anymore. I'll give you an example. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's those that put their carts away at the grocery store, and there's those that don't. One is an honorable action, and the other is a very dishonorable action. You know, in this series, that's one of the things we're going to learn is what is honor. We're also going to learn what, what is not honor. We're going to learn that there's a time to honor, but we're also going to learn there's a time to not honor. And let me just push that illustration further, because when you leave a cart sitting out because you don't want to take the effort to go put it back in the, in the station, that doesn't just affect you. That affects all kinds of other people. Someone can't use that parking spot now. Um, you may damage someone's car because the wind catches the cart, runs it across the parking lot right into the side. I've seen it happen several times. Cars bang, carts bang into the side of, uh, of a car. Um, and you go, well, yeah, but it's cold and, and the, the buggy pen is all the way over there or the cart pen, whatever you call it. Depends where you are in the United States. You know, there's places they call them buggies. Down in the south, they call them buggies. So here, buggy is something different, I know. <clears throat> but over in the cart pen, if you'll take the time to go put it back, you are honoring someone else. You're honoring their car. You're honoring their parking space. You're treating, do you want to be treated well? Then treat them well. You know, how would you like to be the uh, cart attendant? The guy that goes out and gathers, pushes all the carts in and have to walk the entire parking lot to gather up carts because the people were too lazy and dishonorable to just put the cart back in the pen where it belonged. You know, especially in this cold weather, you'd want to get back in as soon as, as you can, right? So if you'll make the extra step because you care about someone else, because you're honoring someone else, what are you doing? You are sowing honor for you to then receive honor in a different way. Maybe at your workplace, someone making think, something easier for you. You know, if you go walking through Walmart and you come across, oh, well, here's, you know, a comforter that fell down on the ground. Do you just walk around it and keep going? Or do you stop and pick it up and put it back on the shelf? You know, maybe you say, well, I don't work here. Why would I do that? I understand. But if someone was disregarded your things and they fell down into a place where they could be damaged, would you want someone else to come along and fix it if you weren't there to do it? Or to see it? Yeah. So that's what I mean by we live in a culture that's just so dishonorable everywhere around is that it's easy to think we're somewhere that we're not just because we have a very baseline of, of honorableness, right? And so I encourage you, um, sign up downstairs and we will grow in this together. And the thing is, is if we'll honor each other and honor people and things as though it is unto the Lord, you realize Scripture says do all things as though it was unto the Lord. If you honor that as unto the Lord, you're honoring the Lord. And He's the one that makes sure then, because there was a whole bunch of hands up saying, I'd like to receive more honor from the Lord. He's the one that will make sure that comes back to you. Understood? Yeah. Alright. Tonight we have two privileges. One is I get to uh, promote a book. Because whenever I see Brian Wills, wave at us, Brian, so everyone in here knows...
Brian has written one of the best books on healing that I know of. It's called 10 Hours to Live. You can find it in our bookstore downstairs. And, um, and I'm excited because our church is, is making it happen, translating this book into Turkish and uh, for Larry Mills. And so I'm excited about that. But in his book, he tells his testimony and his story, which is just so gripping. And it's actually the short part of the book. And so that doesn't take real long to, to get through. And then the rest of the book is a how-to manual, how to stand in faith for healing. And it is so simple, so powerful. It's a really good book. If you haven't picked it up, um, I strongly, highly recommend it. And if you don't have the money for it, let me know and I'll give it to you. All right? That's how much I believe in, in that work. So it's good to have you here, Brian. Uh, 